Welcome once again. Once again, we're doing this. God damn it. This is Monster Manual Mash. This is a podcast. Is that the title? It's been a while. Yeah, I think that's it. <laughs> this is Monster Manual Mash. This is a podcast where Wes and I talk about different monsters from the Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual 5th edition. We're going entry by entry and we are taking a look at the monsters as described to us by Wizards of the Coast and we dissect what they mean, how you can use them in a game, what kind of psychological niche these creatures are trying to get at in your brain and we talk about different ways you can use them and different things you can do with them and alternate takes and we also talk about the back story, the history, the myth, and I think that's everything. We also go on tangents. That's another important thing. <laughs> yeah, I make sure of that. Yeah. Yeah. So, what are we doing today? Uh, oh, we're doing the Dryad today. Yes. Yeah. Yes, Tree a classic. Treeple. Treeple. Tree, tree ladies. They are explicitly feminine. I guess they're not necessarily... Uh, females or women or whatever they're feminine in in the book so you can deal with that but it is kind of like uh that's the that's the creature we're dealing with here a dryad let's see what the monster manual has to say about it they are so description is of a feminine form flitting through the trees warm laughter draws those who hear it deeper into the emerald shadows that's the gist of what's going on we have the big uh, paragraphs here, tree bound. Sometimes a uh, powerful fae, who are fairy people, will bind lesser fae to trees as punishment, possibly because they committed the taboo of falling in love with a mortal. They can emerge from the tree and travel around the land surrounding the tree, but the health of that tree dictates the health of the dryad, so if the tree is destroyed, the dryad will descend into madness. That's what being tree-bound means. Um, They are reclusive fae. They are guardians of woodland domains, shy and reclusive. A dryad struck by the beauty of a stranger might investigate them closely or even try to abduct them. And then they also hang out with other fae and sylvan creatures who are woodsy-type creatures. Um, Immediately kind of is interesting to me that they are basically prisoners or criminals yeah they are emotion criminals or love criminals (laughs) um and they don't seem there's nothing in this description that says that they are like trying to get out or that they resent being a tree person they just kind of roll with it and become shy and reclusive and hit on hot strangers (laughs) it's kind of weird uh the third paragraph Uh, woodland magic. They speak with plants and animals. They can teleport from one tree to another. They lure interlopers away from their grove if they don't want them there. And if pressed, they can charm enemies. So there you get a little description of like what a dryad might do physically in in an encounter, depending on the... Traditionally, um, in older editions, a lot of these types of monsters... So uh, nymphs and dryads and woodland fairy mm-hmm. people would try to abduct or at least talk to uh, player characters with a certain charisma score or higher because they were more right. interesting. Because it's like yeah. to a fae, everything is 
everything in the material world is just like a dull color for the most part. So if you can stick out in yeah. some way, you get their interest. And like, I, I always imagined that, and I think this is true in a lot of depictions of the fey wild and fey creatures that they're, they're, uh, sort of morality is on a different access and it's, it's, it's less about good and bad and it's more about interesting or boring. And that's, that's kind of where they come from for things like what yeah. is going to be interesting. That's like the good is, is what's, is what's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So they, they care less about the, they would care if you were maybe a lumberjack or some other interloper coming to take resources from the woods or you're someone they don't like. Yeah, and then they have uh, a moral imperative, a, a dryad obligation to fight you off. Although they don't really fight you off, uh, their stat block—they're pretty weak. They mostly do the charming thing. Yeah, and I mean, if you're adventuring and you come across them, you're either probably in the Fey Wild or in like a forest where like the Fey Wild it's very close to it. There's there's like the it's it's there's a lot of like Fey magic there and. In those kinds of places, it tends to be, particularly actually in the Feywild, like you don't, if you're, uh, like the dangers aren't necessarily, oh, the monster attacks you and like does damage to you. The danger a lot of the time is like you get lost and, oh no, you thought you were lost for 10 minutes. It turns out it was a hundred years and now your yeah. quest has failed. And, yeah, and, you know, that's and a classic. You gotta, yeah. Um, or, you know, kind of tricking you into making a, making a promise that you can't exactly keep. And then, mm-hmm. or or eating food that wasn't given to you yeah and then accepting yeah. by receiving by accepting a gift you've yeah. now obligated yourself to doing something they want through like yeah. magical coercion yeah there's a lot of that um the time one thing especially that's a um that's a big one yeah i think these uh these mythological these temptresses the temptress figure is often I think of um, the Odyssey immediately. It is like this island and a witch who lives there, and Odysseus and his sailors roll up and they stay for a while and they sleep with all the witch's uh, friends and they have a wild party and they think they've been there for like three days, but it's been like a year or something. Yeah, and it's just like this cautionary tale about like keeping your eyes on the prize and like not <laughs> not uh, yeah. Getting lost in the booty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think the the dryad is just, is kind of like a landlocked version of that. Or like she's not she's not dangerous physically, or like v- there's no violence they're gonna do. Yeah. But you will be you will be enchanted by their beauty. Yeah. yeah but but she's still trouble. <laughs> still trouble. She's still trouble. Yeah. But there's a difference which we'll have to get into later when we, when we talk about nymphs eventually, because like nymphs are in the, this monster manual as well. And that's kind of what they do. So there's like the, there's kind of very little difference between nymphs and dryads in D and D and certainly in folklore, there's even less of a difference most as far as I can tell, but we have to try and figure out the difference. And I think um, I wrote a few things that dryads maybe think of and how you can use them. And that may be, we can unlock the, the tree part. The tree thing yeah. is what kind of separates them. And the punishment thing, which is doesn't really have, as far as I could tell, a precedent in myth. People can be turned into dryads, but not as punishment, at least the ones I wrote. But we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. Um, 
So I thought for a dryad, what the description suggests, because not a lot, there's not a lot written. Um, they test your morality. They test the morality of the player characters because um, let's say there's something in the grove that the PCs are sent to get. Yeah. And then how do you handle a non-evil opponent trying to stop you? So it's one thing to like fight a bunch of orcs, but it's another yeah. to like, how do you get past a dryad who's like a good thing? Yeah. A, a weak thing, but still able to stop you. Yeah. Which like, yeah, that in and of itself is like a test of the players. Like what? Yeah. So are you, are you like, is it any better to use like guile and, 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 and trickery instead of like, just sort of like intimidation and force or like, do you try to make a deal? Like, what are you willing to compromise? Like what are the stakes on your end? You know, there's, there's so many moving parts there. Yeah. And then if yeah. you if you if you're in a group, um, excuse me, I some reason I drank a a Coke Zero just before this. I, do you ever get like a, an intrusive thought <laughs> <laughs> all the time? Yeah, I was like before we recorded, I was like oh, I could really use some caffeine or like a something like a soda. And I was like, no, Chris, that's terrible for your voice and talking out loud. You're going to burp a lot. And then the more I thought about it, the less I could resist the idea. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Knowing it was going to be an issue. I don't know what's wrong with yeah. me. The call of the void, Chris. Yeah. It's uh, pretty loud sometimes, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it tests. If you, if you have a party that is made up of characters with different morality. So you have like a paladin of law and good, and then like a rogue who steals stuff or whatever. You got a Conan barbarian in there, whatever else you got. Yeah. Each one of them is going to come up with a different solution and way of handling that that they want to do. And that could be fun if you're into interpersonal yeah. conflict or it could be completely derailing your game. I don't Yeah. That's uh, that there was, um, uh, there was a time, I think I might've told you this story before Chris, but I don't think I've said it on the pod Ooh. yet. Uh, so I was, I was, I was playing a game with some friends of mine um, back, uh, back in Burlington. And we, there was a, there was a flesh golem that we encountered and the druid you uh, not the druid that our, our um uh, uh bard used uh i think it was a uh, uh gaius some spell basically that was that was based made this flesh golem our friend for a period of time um mm -hmm. the dm ruled i think it was gaius because it was uh, it, it, we we get were you given an instruction and it has to carry out that instruction it can last for like a month and so the instruction was treat us as your friends. <laughs> and so it, we had essentially charmed this flush golem for a month. Mm -hmm. um, but our paladin, uh, who is like an oath of, I think, vengeance paladin, just like sworn to destroy all undead abominations um, and uh, fiendish constructs that shouldn't exist. And sort of we were, we were able to be like, no, no, let's just like, it's not currently a threat. So leave it alone right now. I, I, I We understand your oath, but let's just like, Let's keep it with us for now. Um, we wound up finishing the dungeon and like killing the rock Sasha that was after us or whatever. Uh, uh, and as, as we were leaving uh, her paladin, he was like, okay, well, I'm sorry. I swore an oath. I have to do this. I have to, and unsheaths his sword and goes to like try mm -hmm. and, and is trying to do like a mercy killing of this flesh golem. He was like, mm -hmm. you didn't ask to his nice and painless. And you yeah. Shouldn't. Look at the sun inside. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, it was trying to be like a, as lawful good about, it as he could but then the 
uh, druid who wasn't even the one who charmed it in the first place. The bard who charmed it like didn't really care either way. <laughs> he didn't really have a horse in this race. It was like charming that flesh golem was like the trick he had at that moment. Yeah, and then at that point he was like wow, moved on. Yeah, out of my hands, you know. Um, but the, our druid had taken a liking to it. Um, and then me, the sorcerer, I was trying to tell him like, no, the, the, <laughs> it's it's only our friend because we tricked it, we mind controlled it. Like it it actually wants to kill us. Like it's not our friend. We don't yeah. own it anything. And in fact, <laughs> I think the paladin might be right. We should probably just like put it out of its misery. Um, but then the druid leapt to the defense of the flesh golem and like intervened and started fighting the paladin to defend the flesh golem. <laughs> and then through like a ridiculous series of rolls, um, uh, our paladin was killed <laughs> by the druid's Damn. magic. And then the flesh golem, I think, was also killed. It's just there was it was a whole and whole thing happened. I yeah. think the players were actually kind of salty with each other about it. And so <laughs> we went through. So then I was like, okay, well, I got to fix this. Uh, uh, I was, I was the most, uh, me and the, the, the bard, we were the charismatic too. So we were trying to like, okay, let's, we gotta, we gotta fix this. So we still had the dead paladin with us. So we used, uh, I think we had to get, get materials for it to be able to use a uh, reincarnate. And then he came back, but as a halfling, oh no, as a gnome. So a much worse paladin at this point than the human paladin that he was. Oh, man. And then as a, what the player, what he decided to do was he was his character was just going to punch the druid in the face and walk off and he was going to roll a new character. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was no coming back from that. But we nearly, uh, we literally, we did fight amongst our, ourselves as a party um, over what to do yeah. in this, this moral situation. I think it was pretty clear cut what we had to do. I was I was I was with the paladin on this one, but uh, oh yeah, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I'd be more inclined to, uh, you know, use the ring to defend uh, Gondor, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I would, that's fair. I would and also I was fit. thinking, I was thinking character wise too, like what was yeah. this sorcerer. Yeah, yeah. You always gotta, you always gotta think in character. And he was a tiefling, and so his his thinking was like, I don't need something that makes us look even more evil. I have enough trouble as it is. Perfect. Like a flesh golem kicking around, it's just gonna mean problems for me. So yeah, perfectly uh, coherent reason. Yeah. So uh, that's a great example. That's a great story. An example of with uh, using a dryad as like a weaker opponent or obstacle, you can maybe manufacture a decision like that or like a, yeah. a breakdown, especially if you got a paladin. Fuck yeah. those guys. <laughs> yeah. I also so thought, rigid. I know it's, it's a, it's a many edged sword though. That can be a lot of fun, but you got to have uh, some, uh, some solid relationships in place already. <laughs> Um, speaking of relationships, another thing you could do with a dryad would be um, you can get into dig into that little bit about their love triangles mm-hmm. or like falling in love with a, a mortal where uh, the PCs can walk into a situation where um, there's so there's a dryad, there's a powerful fae who bound them to a tree and there's a mortal lover. So any one of those people might have an, an interest in. Uh, doing something to one of the other two mm-hmm. and hiring adventurers to go do their bidding. So like maybe the mortal lover is going to free his tree bound 
dryad lover and then the, the the punisher the important fairy king or whatever wants to send you to go stop that but then you learn of their yeah. then you learn their like true love and then like do you destroy a romance to get your money or do you turn it around you yeah. know there's all kinds yeah, maybe of complications they want to have the tree repotted in their courtyard so that the dryad can come live with them yeah 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 but then the i don't know forest king the autumn king is like no that kind of tree won't survive that so also like my word <laughs> yeah. is law so like don't don't be a dummy <laughs> yeah or the the dryad could send you to like get their lover and like turn him into a tree to be with her depending on how like like because like you said uh, a fairy's moral compass is not the same as ours they might have yeah. no problem with abducting their lover because a fairy's love is like I imagine it to not be like a very generous or giving love. It's a very like tempestuous, completely yeah. uh, infatuating and dominating, but like it's a jealous love. It's a, it's destructive. So she might yeah. try to find the mortal lover and like, get her, get them to join her. They're all, they're always a teenager with their first crush. That's yes. the only, that's all they're always at that point. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of stuff you could do in there. Um, also, bugging attractive player characters. You could decide on which, and like depending on your party, you might have an appropriate candidate, or you can just do the old school thing. And like anyone with a charisma over 16 or 18 or whatever is like, I am rule bound to make a dryad try to steal them or something. <laughs> and then uh, like that could be a thing. I don't know how you'd like draw that out a bit longer other than like this dryad hits on you what do you do and it's like i <laughs> uh, walk away and then that's like not <laughs> i don't know unless the dryad goes to greater and greater lengths to make it happen and you do like the the jealous lover thing or maybe she has good stuff that you want maybe she's got i don't know <clears throat> items and potions or maybe she guards the treasure she'll give it to you if you like agree to be her spouse or something Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but she doesn't mention that you can't leave the forest when you agree to that yeah yeah she's gonna kill you and turn you into a tree yeah that's in the prenup <laughs> yeah and then the fourth thing i thought is that they mention also is they defend the woods so it could be a patron who just you uh just wants you to help defend the woods so you could be on either side of that too you could be against her trying to get a, cut down a certain tree or something or even cut down her tree yeah. Um, or defend them from someone. And then the, whoever you're defending them against could also be morally good or bad, depending on what kind of style of, of adventure you want it to run, how much, how much moral uh, decision-making you want to have versus how much just like kicking down a door and killing orcs you want to have. So there's lots of yeah. like, di- lots of like dials you can twist one way or another on this um, to make a pretty good, like a pretty decent, like, Levels one through five style adventure, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah, because and well, and they're definitely not like your wandering monster style monster, which generally I think you want to kind of avoid just having a random monster for no reason somewhere. I, I, I like I like when there's a reason for a monster to be where they are, and so like there seems to be no way to have like no reason for there to be a dryad somewhere. Yeah, well, I will I will defend random monsters. Um, they are tricky to use sometimes they require you have to be comfortable um with sometimes very heavy improv 
but they can also be great. Sometimes I've had some great encounters with a, uh, like, especially if you use old, older rules or adapt older rules to use in the current edition, yeah. something like a wandering monster check, even when it, like, at, let's say you get to the end of a dungeon, there's like a boss battle or whatever, like traditional, more modern, traditional uh, game conventions are final room. You finish that up, you get the treasure, you still have to leave. And it used to be right, yeah. in like older editions, you'd have to like plan the logistical uh, removal of the the poundage of treasure that you got out of this place. And that could take yeah. days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? Depending on what happens. So there's like, there's like many uh, rules, like subsets of rules about how to like spend X number of days doing this or like X number of turns. And then for every turn, depending on what kind of dungeon, because a lot of dungeons are not closed systems. There's like trap doors and hallways and stuff that lead to like other levels or other dungeons. Yeah. So things can just wander around or like, there's also the possibility. I also like the idea of like the meta game of it making the reality. So like, even though you've cleared out a dungeon, the nature of a dungeon is such that a monster will just materialize from the darkness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, however you want to explain it, um, having like, there were a few games where I just, we actually had to have, there's like some action going on that's purposeful that was written into the dungeon and is like a set piece. And then like a character turns a corner, or tries to run somewhere else to grab something from another room. And there's just like, I just like make a few rolls and it's like, there's now a gibbering mouther that spits acid at you. And now there's just <laughs> this like other, this like heightened uh, stakes and intense, like, and like this weird, hilarious tangent that this one character is now fully locked in a, like a meaningful fight to the death with this totally unexpected and like non sequitur monster. That was, it was so much fun at the table because it was so unexpected and like it was nonsense. And the monster itself was like, they were fighting. Everyone else was fighting like a young red dragon that had a story. And then there's just this blob of like horrible (laughs) death that came out of nowhere just to really hammer in the idea that a dungeon sucks to be in. (laughs) Well, I mean, that's all great. Like I, yeah, that's good. I guess, I guess when I, what I, what I sort of meant was that like, Oh yeah, we're traveling. Okay. Um, now there's a manticore, but there's, you know, you just come across a monster and you can, yeah, yeah. You can do that if there's like, but I, I, I think, you know, what makes it better is if there's a little bit of hinting before that is like, maybe you, catch the shadow of something that looks like it's flying around you or you find a couple poison spines and like a dead deer that's in the area you some clues before like suddenly there's a thing and yeah yeah sort of, totally yeah. there are ways to do that if you look around on like different blogs there's like you can modify fifth edition rules to include like when you, you roll a random encounter a certain way and you're more likely to first encounter signs of something yeah, And then when you make subsequent rolls, you're more likely to actually encounter the thing every time you roll, just right, based on these yeah. like charts. And it, it's very clever, but it's also like, how many fucking charts do you want in this game that is that can be nonstop charts if you want it to be? Yeah. But it can be helpful and it can be uh, something fun to do yeah. if you have the, the space for it. Yeah. 
I guess I just like it's always important to me to like weave any kind of combat encounter into the narrative of everything too, so that there's mm-hmm. some storytelling happening with when a monster shows up. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yeah, yeah. it's because uh, yeah. you can also be as a DM because I'm a big fan of like rolling with random chance and then after the fact like stitching it into the story or like yeah making the random part of the story or making the random the story but also so, uh, how many times uh, i can't think of how many times i've tried to roll a random encounter and it's like large snake and i'm like okay well this is the third large snake i've rolled and am i really going to do another large snake encounter and i can but they've already done it a couple of times. Do I make it like super weird? And it's, it becomes more work than it's worth. Mm-hmm. So I hear you on that. And especially with the dryad, I think is like, uh, they're so particular. They don't travel. They have a very set um, kind of schedule <laughs> or like a uh, method methodology. Yeah. That you have to like already know you can't have like a dryad suddenly attack you, but in a dungeon or even in the woods, you'd have to make it like, I don't know. It'd be, I think a dryad in the woods as a random encounter might be okay. Yeah. <clears throat> you'd have to role play it more than anything else, but yeah, that's, that's, that's what okay. it would be is like when you approach, when the players approach the dryad, then you just got to be ready to like be this dryad for a conversation for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or be them when they're like, why are you attacking me? <laughs> I just yeah. wanted to talk. Okay, fine. Be that way. Yeah, you kind of have to know it already. It's yeah. not the kind of thing you could like flip to a book and then just like roll it. You'd have to like read who they are and then decide what they want. Um, speaking of that, I think I wrote down some other things. So if if you could, I don't really like the idea of them as prisoners or like being punished. I like the idea of them just being their own in, in uh, like endemic to the area type of creature. Yeah, yeah. That happens. But if you wanted to do the prisoner thing, um, they might want to be rescued. So that could be a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And they could be they could be seeking char- charismatic uh, characters to charm or negotiate them into helping them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then you could play their reclusivity by explaining it as like, if something happens to their tree, so it happens to them. So they don't want like just anyone to know that they're there. Cause then they might be in danger, but they want some help because they can't help themselves. So they have to like walk the line of trying to figure out who they can trust. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But then they make bad decisions because they, they just seek out the most charismatic person instead of like someone of good alignment. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So they might have a choice between, um, you know, like a, like a, like a neutral good druid, but they're kind of a smelly weirdo, but they'd yeah. be exactly the person who would be great help or like this sly talking you know uh 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 yeah chaotic uh neutral or whatever uh like rogue type you the know? rogue like arms dealer or whatever yeah yeah like a, a very charming arms dealer type of guy yeah so like yeah the the teenage headedness of them it could be like uh bella from twilight or something just like right constantly trying to get your attention doesn't know what's good for them yeah um and that's and that's like another sort of triangle type of thing you could you could like you could even have it so like neither of your player characters are the smelly druid or the charismatic roguish guy 
you come across this <laughs> like uh one of them one of the three of them and sort of get part of the story and then it's like a it's like a, you gotta go and talk to who and everyone else has like a different side thing that you gotta go do for them and so it could branch into a whole quest uh of different things when really you're just uh just coming across stuff that's kind of none of your business but you get involved with it anyways because that's what that's your adventure that's what happens yeah and i think it's there's a lot of there's a lot to get involved with i think a dryad is a pretty rich idea um as simple like and low level as it is because it's like they they kind of do this thing that uh it kind of reminds me like a unicorn which is another woodland uh guardian symbol of beauty but um so like a dryad on one hand is like the the lure of beauty or like and especially because they take on like a humanoid form it's like kind of a it kind of mixes the beauty of nature and then like uh the beauty of like a a human form Mm -hmm. in this case Mm -hmm. femininity so just like by the ver- the simple fact of their existence, they attract both admiration and like unsolicited dick pics of like <laughs> <laughs> like they'll have like they'll have like loser lumberjacks coming in to like cut down or like take her tree for themselves or like yeah uh they're, they're like too attractive and and too vulnerable uh because like unlike a unicorn who has the horn and can is a horse and can like defend itself and like is is nature that doesn't need human protection or like doesn't need outside help a dryad is very vulnerable and only has like charms to like misdirect people to get stuff from her so she constantly has to fight them off so it's kind of like relating natural resources to like a woman fighting off suitors or or worse yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But she's totally independent is the thing too. She has a home. She has the tree. Yeah. And she has friends. She has mm-hmm. like goats and Bambi and Thumper and all the others. <laughs> yeah. And she's not completely defenseless either. Like she has powers and yeah, and she has wiles and, and stuff, yeah. but you still have an in to be a defender possibly. But then you have to just like, there's a lot of like morally, rich territory you can get into with it if yeah, you want yeah um yeah you're oh and i was just uh, i was thinking um yeah uh uh so just just like another like for there to be you know like a reason for like a dryad to be there in the woods that that's not like oh it's 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 a fey spirit being punished by a more powerful fey spirit for whatever reason could mm-hmm. be that um uh, if the woods themselves are magical enough or have like some object or being of immense magical power somewhere in them, just like that, the spillover magic of that kind of like turns some of that woods magic to coalesce into, into dryads. And so there's sort of evidence that like, okay, dryads are, are, are like uh, they're in these woods. And so if you're savvy, then you would know, like maybe there's, there's, there's some really innate powerful magic in these woods, or it could be because um, the whole aspect of like, um, there's kind of a vulnerability there and like with certain type of player characters, you might feel like, Oh, I need to help or, or, or defend these, you know, these, these like woodland mm-hmm. beings or something um, that in and of itself could be 
what if the magic in the woods was a little bit more inscrutable or sinister and that was sort of their to lure um hero types into the woods for some from whatever reason that it has yeah. like okay so these dryads are here the dryads they're independent beings they they like exist you know like uh like they're 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 their own sort of uh sort of beings but then their existence is incidental to this other weird magic that's there and so you have to sort of navigate okay these dryads are here um i, I we don't want like shitty lumberjacks coming in all the time like <laughs> yeah just just being pests um uh uh so but why are there dryads here and then you sort of talk to the dryads about it and the dryads like well, i don't know i just exist i just exist like it's it's, it's you know not to me so that there could be i don't know like uh i was going somewhere with that i was going somewhere with that but it's just the idea <laughs> that there's sort of like the dryads are kind of like because of a halo of magic that exists around something and that's sort of why the dryads are there and they're there to like i imagine sirens are kind of intentionally you know luring people but they're accidentally mm-hmm. luring people into yeah. this like zone of magic and it's not their fault but that's what's happening is like people are totally lured into the zone of magic um like when a like when a cd club will make sure that there's like you know more attractive women in the club than yeah. anywhere else it's like grody rich dudes will go there and spend more money that way yeah so, like what's the fantasy magic equivalent of that Kind that of kind of is these woods, you know. <laughs> They're the dryads are evidence of the ladies are in free before eleven. Yeah, all yeah. ladies before eleven turn into dryads, and then those attract the rest. Yeah, those att- then you get the lumberjacks in there. Then you got a business. Yeah, but your yeah. your your <laughs> your idea made me think back to the uh, the punishment angle, where it could be that like the punishment is that the powerful fae turns the the punished into something vulnerable for mortal like, and like dangles them in front of mortals so right, by yeah. making them vulnerable in this forest it's like you're not like torturing them they're not like in immediate danger but by being simply by being a dryad and having your fate tied to a tree you've mm-hmm. made them open to attack from mortals who are like like we are we are to fairies what orcs are to us. We're just like these beast people. Yeah. So it's kind of like a this like classy fuck you to whoever's being punished. It's like I'm not gonna kill you, but I'm gonna dangle you in front of these wolves for a while and like see what happens. <laughs> let you sweat it out. Yeah. But um, like, oh, you like chopping down trees, eh? Well. <laughs> yeah. If you like mortals so much, why don't you go be a why don't you dress as like a slutty tree and hang out in the woods <laughs> and see how long that works for you? <laughs> uh, uh, looking at their speaking of their dress, I'm looking at a bunch of images and I think the um, of different editions. And I think this really speaks to the design philosophy behind the dryad and what they kind of mean and what works and what doesn't. So the AD and D, the original version of the dryad, which does pretty much the same thing, dryads haven't really changed through the editions. But the the yeah. the drawing is literally like a human woman in like a torn up dress hanging onto a tree and like looks like she's kind of like kind of like talk shouting at the viewer <laughs> sort of right yeah her mouth's kind of open she's kind of like she's holding onto the tree and kind of stepping around it but she's not fully committed she's like looks a little guileless it's kind of goofy but uh, charming yeah. She's just like this woods babe who like talks to you from behind a tree. And then in future editions, you get 
extremely cheesecake uh like pinup sluts <laughs> <laughs> it's like really yeah, just wearing like a like leaf underwear oh basically. yeah and like these total yeah. these postures are just like ridiculous yeah like total van van spray paint art uh and then you get into fourth edition where they just totally where no monster is allowed to have anything to do outside of combat and then dryads yeah. are just these like m- monstrous wood creatures with v- vague impressions of breasts yeah <laughs> that's like, like s- smaller ants basically yeah 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 like yeah and then you get fifth edition which i love the fifth edition illustration of a dryad is like she's humanoid and beautiful but still obviously not human but she's wearing this like high fashion like i don't know what you'd call it like a like a blanket like a cutout sheet blanket of leaves and this like magnificent hat yeah it's like tri-corner this like pyramid hat of leaves and she looks like uh, a fashion model who has like she's a very severe looking model and she's beautiful but she's in a committed relationship with a elm tree who has like three hundred (laughs) thousand subscribers on youtube so you better not even try it she's like yeah he's out of your league yeah, totally. Yeah. Which and like and that that would that would probably just like add to the like allure for certain people too. It's like, "Oh, I see." Oh yeah, certain, challenge, certain right? Yeah, yeah. Certain douchey types are going to like really yeah. try to cut down that tree and it's so fa- like phallic too, right? The tree. <laughs> I'm going to go fight like, this elm now. <laughs> yeah, like So, I think that works really well. I think that's great. Yeah, like I, 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 I really I like the the angle of like having the design and appearance and overall impression of like a dryad be like there's there's a sort of an inherent grace and like um yeah, like like grace to like the beauty of a dryad. It's not just like, oh, I'm a vulnerable forest. She's not just a babe, you know? yeah. 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 Like, it's like and s- that also speaks to like the nature angle is like uh, maybe a dryad should be like almost intimidatingly beautiful, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could you could definitely play with that some more too. Yeah. Um so we we've talked a lot uh so far. I want to get into the the myth now. I want to get into the yeah, origins. Yeah. Um so dryads according to my sources are actually a type of nymph um which makes it uh not helpful. <laughs> because <laughs> I don't want to talk about nymphs too much because then we'll have nothing to talk about when we get there. Um, but the the gist is nymphs are sort of like spirits um, of nature. Um, and in, in Greek, in the Greek world, they are kind of these like intermediate beings in between mortals and gods where they like, they don't live among humans, but you can, some people have married them. They can marry humans or they can marry gods and have children with, with either. Um, Achilles is the son of a nymph, I believe, if I am remembering that properly. But uh, a human, human dad and a, a nymph mother. <clears throat> and they sort of become, sort of like patron saints of certain things, but instead of like concepts, like in Christianity, they're like patron saints of uh, this type of rock or this area of nature, like this lake. 
So then right, that's why yeah. you get them tied up with like, I think in D and D they hang out by rivers and ponds and stuff. Um, so then you get dryads, which are like sort of these patron saints of certain trees or orchards. Um, sometimes they're like the servants of gods. Uh, for some reason, there's a patron saint of, there's not a patron saint. There's like a nymph associated with chess for some reason. Oh, which I, I tried to dig in further and I couldn't figure out what that was about, but uh, that's an interesting take. Mm-hmm. Like chess is a pre ex- like exists in nature before invention or something like the idea of chess. I don't know. I wouldn't get into it that much, yeah, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We could just make shit up for a while if we want. Or uh, <laughs> um, so specifically, dryads are nymphs who live in oak trees, but they've come to mean a broader definition. And then there's an even greater distinction. There's even they're breaking down into uh, more subtypes. There's a thing called a, a hamadryad, where mm-hmm. and this is where I think D and D might get its. Uh, the idea of like being turned into one versus being one. So a hamadryad is they're are born bonded to a certain tree. Yeah. So not all dryads will die if their tree is killed, but a hamadryad would. Okay. So there's some kind of distinction between the two. Um, and the, the outcome of this to Greek culture is that they make some kind of offering to tree nymphs, uh, or associated gods before they chop down trees for whatever reason, because it's the sense of like taking away. So they make an offering to give back because they, they recognize that you're taking away from a dryad or nymph or something. Yeah. Um, so a dryad can walk around, but a hamadryad is actually more bound to their tree, um, mm-hmm. which I understand is not a useful difference for D and D. So they're just kind of like wrapped up into one, unless you really yeah. want to get into like a weird uh, like, triangle nipple people versus square nipple people (laughs) (laughs) situation. Yeah. Uh, So in Greek mythology, because they were these intermediaries, I think they're, they're like, they represent a sort of unity. So I think like the natural, I don't know if this is true or not. I'm not uh, that into the history or the humanities of this, but like it's in, it seems to me that in, if you Greek culture has this idea of like, there's us humans, there's the natural world and then there's the gods. So the natural world is it, it intersects with our world and it intersects with the, the world of the gods and they're embodied by these, these creatures. So uh, they, a dryad is like a, a sort of an idea of unity of like, I think I think we kind of already talked about this. How like a, a unicorn and a dryad are sort of like independent creatures of of nature. So I think that's supported by the myths that uh, dryads are based on. Um, yeah. I have a couple pieces of stories about specific dryads. There's one called Biblis or Biblis. She was a maiden, as they tend to be, and was overcome with unanswered love for her own brother Conus. After Conus left. She rejects the proposals of numerous suitors and attempts to commit suicide by jumping off a cliff, but is saved by a bunch of hamadryads who cause her to fall asleep and transform her into a fellow nymph. Um, and then this, this story is associated with a, a certain spring, which is believed to have um, risen up from Biblis's incessant tears about crying for her lost brother. So here we have an idea of like, this might be, this kind of story might be uh, like ancient Greece's way of describing women who make themselves 
unavailable, even though they're still like hot, <laughs> you know, like someone who's given themselves up to maybe uh, a taboo love. So that would, that would go hand in hand with a punishment for mortal lover thing. Or like r- instead of getting married and having kids with someone not in your immediate family, which is like important for uh, like patriarchal civilizations to thrive and continue. They instead want to like hook up with their brother or become, or just like love nature so much that they don't need other people. Then they become dryads who are like objects of desire, but have no intention of reciprocating. So I think Biblis is an example of that. We have uh, Dryope, which is a story from good old Ovid. Uh, Dryope was wandering by a lake, suckling her baby, emphasis, emphasis, when she saw the bright red flowers of the lotus tree, formerly the nymph Lotus, who, when fleeing from Priapus, had been changed into a tree. So there's a nymph who was changed into a tree. So here we have mm-hmm. the punishment, I guess. Yeah. Dryope wanted to give the blossoms to her baby to play with, but when she picked one, the tree started to tremble and bleed. She tried to run away, but the blood of the tree had touched her skin and she found her feet rooted to the spot. She slowly began to turn into a black poplar, the bark spreading up her legs from the earth. But just before the woody stiffness finally reached her throat and as her arms began sprouting twigs, her husband and Draymond heard her cries and came to her. She had just enough time to warn her husband to take care of their child and make sure that he did not pick flowers. She also told him to find Amphysis a nurse and to tell him to call her his mother. So that's a weird one. Mm-hmm. So picking the flowers from a nymph tree changes you into a nymph tree or into a dryad. So here we have like a difference between the dryad and the nymph, I guess, or like a a dryad in this case is a human who's punished for like taking stuff from a nymph. Yeah. I mean, and that kind of, that fits in well with just general Feywild shenanigans to me is I, I would think like a good rule of thumb for adventuring in the Feywild, I think is never pick any flowers or any plants. Because <laughs> I, I, I think there should almost surely always be a consequence for that. Like maybe, you know, there's like a little flower and then you yank it up, but then the roots, it's like a little troll guy. You're like, ah, you throw it away. Um, but then it grows up into like a bigger monster. It's like, no, you, you, like you're either going to get cursed or like you're going to bring a new creature into the world if you, if you, if you, uproot a plant yeah pick a flower or something just don't touch anything yeah don't ever touch anything uh there's also there's probably something in there with like the mother giving up the daughter and then Mm -hmm. but uh i can't uh parse it on the fly there's uh erato or erato was a dryad she was the priestess and prophetess of the god pan there are verses attributed to her at the ancient oracle in megalopolis and she was married to arcus the son of zeus and callisto and bore him three sons azan ephidius and elatus so there you have a dryad um hanging out with gods and giving birth and stuff there are japanese dryads they kind of do the same thing they and there's like a bunch of different uh similar cultural practices of making offerings when cutting things down there are examples of people being cursed when you cut down a Kodama, which is the the name of a, a Japanese dryad. 
they have knowledge, the knowledge of which Kodama, uh, which trees have Kodama living in them is passed down by elderly people in that area over successive generations. So those trees are protected. Oh yeah. So there are particular trees that have Kodama in them. I think to this day, superstitions about cutting them um, and like blood coming out of them. And there's an idea, uh, a folkloric tidbit about um, tree spirits called Kiinushi, Kiinushi, where you have to pray to the Kinushi before you cut it. And also if there is an echoing noise at night and you hear a tree fall, that is the, there's no actual tree. It is the anguished voice of a Kiinushi. And then several days later, the tree will wither and die because they've died of some other like spiritual wound. Oh, <clears throat> I really like the idea of like hearing the sound of a tree falling, but without there being a tree falling. Yeah. Because one, that's it's I, I it's a nice reversal of a the if a tree falls in the woods and no one's around, to hear it, <laughs> is it you know? The answer um, is yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and the other one is like that's that's just such like a that would be such a uniquely eerie thing. Like you're in a forest and you hear like the telltale sign of like a nearby tree falling over, but you can't find any. Yeah, but nothing. There's no impact and there's no yeah. evidence. So like what yeah. made that sound? That's just, that's the sound of like the forest itself or some powerful spirits within the forest, like crying out in some yeah. way. Yeah. yeah, that's a good one. There's also an idea of trees um, gaining a divine spirit after they've lived for a hundred years. So that's when they start getting like personality. It's like a tree's grown up or something and now a spirit mm-hmm. dwells within it. So you could have like a dryad be exceptionally old maybe. Yeah. Um, the idea of tree spirits appears in nearly all non-monotheistic religions and are likewise, and likewise feminine spirit-like women who hang around trees. In Hinduism, there's a particular religious depiction of women with highly exaggerated breasts and hips hanging off of branches and trunks, which, uh, they used to think, and this is, this goes back like way, way back before a lot of, uh, it's almost like pre- into history where there's not like a complete understanding of. So they think that they were used to represent fertility of nature, but have become more contemporarily used to decorate places of circumnavigation where religious observers have to travel around holy places or artifacts in a temple or religious route. So to me calls to mind the idea of like a dryad running around the tree that it's bound to. Mm-hmm. And so like the area around something holy and divine just has like a dryad spirit att- uh, attending it. Maybe I think um, ultimately one of the things that a dryad does that like a nymph doesn't by associating it so closely as a plant or as a tree, it's helps explain it like go it cuts to the idea that like human beings, not all the time, certainly, but we sometimes can see trees as, we like anthropomorphize trees or, or certain elements of nature. We like, there's a certain other element to it. So a dryad kind of bridges that gap. Yeah. 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 Especially with, with, with plants too. Cause I can sort of, I can kind of maybe I, I've well, no way of knowing like how accurate it is, but I can kind of imagine a little bit what it's like to be different kind different animals, but I have yeah. no, idea what it's like to be a plant or if there's anything that it's like to be a plant so that sort of personifying that in like a 
like anthropomorphic sort of spirit. Um, yeah, like you said, like bridges that gap kind of. Yeah, like maybe yeah. it explains uh, like the reason we give stuff up in exchange for cutting down a tree is like we have this guilt about doing it. So we have to like owe somebody something, even though a yeah. tree is not going to care about the like five bucks I put into a bowl in front of it or whatever. <laughs> like I think that's a very deeply human thing. So it's a classic monster. It's good stuff. I tried looking up um, like famous dryads, not maybe not famous, but like dryads used in popular culture. And I'm not really familiar with any of them. And I can't think of any, except the closest thing I can think of is Poison Ivy from DC Comics, the Batman villain, who in some iterations like is partly plant, um, but is, I think in all cases, was a human scientist who was transformed into this like villainous, um, either half human, half plant, or simply a human, uh, like eco-terrorist. Yeah. Who also- human. Yeah, plant-themed human- who like, at, is has all the traits of a dryad as described in D and D and kind of myth as like uh, flirtatious, maybe um, curious and interested, but also extremely militant and uh, guardian of yeah. her world. In this case, uh, overly zealous. In the Batman and Robin movie, she's like just straight up an eco terrorist, and <laughs> it's kind of. Like I'm kind of on her side the whole time. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> uh, so there's definitely an, an, like an eco terrorist side to dryads. That if you want there to be, if you dial up the forest guardianship, but that, and that's how you get like poison ivy. Um, but I couldn't really think of any any others. I'm sure they turn up like in one off episodes of Xena or something. But like, yeah, yeah. There's probably a dryad planet in some episode of Star Trek somewhere. Oh yeah. Something like yeah. that. There's lots of tree people out there. I just can't like think of any famous. Yeah, because that's the thing. There's lots of tree people in fiction, but like a dryad is a separate sort of thing. Like I, I would never say like Groot is a dryad. No. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Very different. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. But there you have it. That's uh, that's dryads as we see and understand them. I mean, we I could we could just go on with like examples of ways to use them like uh, some person's house accidentally has a dryad's log used in it and now it's like haunted by uh an angry fashion model right yeah they, they <laughs> you're 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 called to be like oh there's a ghost haunting my house i need you you're you you're armed magical looking adventurers come and help me deal with and you you get there and then it's oh it's not a ghost it's a it's a dryad why did you think this is a ghost they're not even see-through <laughs> you know yeah um or yeah this ghost keeps Um, hitting on me (laughs) or won't be won't let me hit on it (laughs) this ghost keeps turning me down yeah (laughs) (laughs) okay Um, yeah you got got anything else oh i mean i could keep spitballing yeah no we've 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 gone on for like an hour it's where i think we're good okay great okay well next week or whatever Let's be real. I like to, I don't know. I'm not getting into my ex- existential dread right now. We will, <laughs> yeah, we will we'll keep see. making this podcast. That's for yes, sure. Yes, we will. It's true. I'm going to do our best to keep it up. Um, what's, what's next? I don't have the book in front of me. Oh, like okay. An idiot. Me, uh, I, I, I got it. Uh, oh, um, Durgar. 
the, the, the un, yeah the underground uh dwarves bad dwarves the bad dwarves yeah the drow dwarves do Aragar. well we've got a whole we've got some time to figure out how to i've never figured out how to actually say them say their name Do-er-gar. i'm not going to so i don't have to uh, <laughs> yeah yeah commit one way or the other but we'll yeah. figure it out for well, next next time. yeah yeah okay thanks for listening uh monsters to you everyone <laughs> And a monster to you as well, Chris. (laughs) Thank you. Goodbye. Goodbye.